Hello, and welcome to the sixth episode of season two for the Very Hairy Podcast. I'm your reader, Talon, and let's get started. Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets by J.K. Rowling. Read to you by Talon. Chapter six, Gilderoy Lockhart. The next day, however, Harry barely grinned once. Things started to go downhill from breakfast in the Great Hall. The four long house tables were laden with terrines of porridge, plates of kippers, mountains of toasts, and dishes of eggs and bacon. Beneath the enchanted ceiling, today dull cloudy gray, Harry and Ron sat down at the Gryffindor table next to Hermione, who had her coffee of voyages with vampires propped open against the milk jug. There was a slight, there was a slight stiffness in the way she said, Morning. <coughs> which told it, Harry that she was still disapproving of the way they had arrived. Neville Longbottom, on the other hand, greeted them with greeted them cheerfully. Neville was a was a round faced and accident prone boy with the worst memory of anyone Harry had ever met. Mel's due any minute. I think Grand's sending me. I think Grand's sending me a few things I forgot. Harry had only just started his porridge when, sure enough, there was a rushing sound overhead, and two hundred or a hundred and a hundred or so owls streamed in, circling the hall and dropping letters and packages into the chattering crowd. A big, lumpy package bounced off Neville's head, and a second later, something large large and gray, fell into Hermione's jug, spraying them all with milk and feathers. Errol, said Ron, pulling the bedraggled, the bedraggled owl out, of, out by the feet. Errol slumped, unconscious, onto the table, his legs in the air, and a damp red envelope in his beak. Oh, no, Ron gasped. It's all right, he's still alive, said Hermione, prodding Errol, Gently with the tip of her finger. It's not that. It's that. Ron was pointing at the red envelope. It looked quite ordinary to Harry. But Ron and Neville were both looking at it as though they expected it to explode. What's the matter? said Harry. She's... She sent me a howler. Said Ron faintly. You better open it, Ron. Said Neville in a timid whisper. It'll be worse if you don't. My grand sent me once, and I ignored it, and, and I ignored it, and he gulped. It was horrible. Harry looked from their petrified faces to the red envelope. What's a howler, he said. But Ron's whole attention was fixed on the letter, which had, been, which had begun to smoke at the corners. Open it, Neville urged. It'll be, it'll be all over... It'll be all over in a few minutes. Gwen stretched out his shaking hand, eased the envelope from Errol's beak, and slid it and slid it open. Neville stuffed his fingers in his ears. A split second later, Harry knew why. He thought for a moment it had it had exploded. A roar of sound filled the huge hall, shaking dust from the ceiling. Stealing the car. I wouldn't have been surprised if they expelled you. You wait till I get a hold of you. 
I don't suppose you stopped to think what your father and I went through when it was when we saw it was gone. Mrs. Weasley's yells, a hundred times louder than usual, made the plates and spoons rattle on the table and echoed deafeningly off the stone walls. People throughout the hall were swiveling round to see who, who had received the howler, and Ron sank so low in his chair sank so low in his chair that only his crimson forehead could be seen. Letter from Dumbledore last night. I thought your father would have died of shame. We didn't bring you up to behave like this. You and Harry both could have died. Harry had been wondering when his name was going to be was going to crop up. He tried hard to look as though he couldn't hear the voice that was making his eardrums throb. Absolutely disgusted. Your father is facing an inquiry at work. It's entirely your fault. And if you put another toe out of line, we'll bring you straight back home. A ringing silence fell. The red envelope, which had dropped from Ron's hands, burst into flames and curled into ashes. Harry and Ron sat stunned as though a tidal wave had just passed over them. A few people laughed, and gradually, the babble of talk broke out again. Hermione closed voyages with the vampires and looked down at the top of Ron's head. Well, I don't know what you expected, Ron, but you don't tell me I deserved it, snapped Ron. Harry pushed his porridge away. His insides were burning with guilt. Mr. Weasley was facing an inquiry at work. After all, Mr. Weasley... After all, Mr. and Mrs. Weasley had done for him over the summer. But he had no time to dwell on this. Professor McGonagall was moving along the Gryffindor table, handing out course schedules. Harry took his and saw that he had doubled herbology with the with the Hufflepuffs first. <sighs> Harry, Ron, and Hermione left the castle together, crossed the vegetable patch, and made for the greenhouses where the magical plants were kept. At least the howler had done one good thing. Hermione seemed to think that Hermione seemed to think they had now been punished enough and was being perfectly friendly again. As they neared the greenhouse they saw the rest of the class standing outside, waiting for Professor Sprout. Harry, Ron and Hermione had only just joined them when she came striding into view across the lawn, accompanied by Gilderoy Lockhart. Professor Sprout's arms were full of bandages, and with another twinge of guilt, Harry spotted the Whomping Willow in the distance. Several of its branches were now in slings. Professor Sprout was a squat little witch who wore a patched hat over her flyaway hair. There was usually a large amount of earth on her clothes, and her fingernails would have made Aunt Petunia faint. Gilderoy Lockhart Gilderoy Lockhart, however, was Immaculate. I don't know how to pronounce this word. Immaculate. In a in sweeping robes of turquoise. His golden hair shining under a perfectly positioned turquoise hat with gold trimming. Oh, hello there. He called beaming around them beaming around at the assembled students. 
Yes, then showing Professor Sprout the white way, the right way to to Doctor or Whomping Willow. But I don't want you running away with the idea I'm better at herbology than she is. It just happens I've met several of these exotic plants in my travels. Greenhouse three today, chaps," said Professor Sprout, who was looking distinctly disgruntled, not at all her usual cheerful self. There was a murmur of interest. They had only ever worked in greenhouse one before. Greenhouse three housed far more interesting and dangerous plants. Professor Sprout took a large key, took a large key from her belt and unlocked the door. Harry caught a whiff of damp earth and fertilizer mingling in the heavenly perfume of some giant umbrella-sized flowers dangling from the ceiling. He was about to follow Ron and Hermione inside when Lockhart's hand shot out. Harry, I've been wanting a word. You don't mind if if he's a couple, minute l couple minutes late, do you, Professor Sprout? Judging by Professor Sprout's scowl, she did mind. But Lockhart said, that's the ticket, and he closed the greenhouse door in her face. Harry, said Lockhart, his large white teeth gleaming in the sunlight as he shook his head. Harry, Harry, Harry. Completely nonplussed, Harry said nothing. When I heard, well, of course, it was all my fault. Could have kicked myself. Harry had no idea what he was talking about, but he was about to, he was about to say so when Lockhart went on. When Lockhart went on, don't know when I've been more shocked. Flying car to Hogwarts. Well, of course I knew it once why you done why you'd done it. Stood out a mile. Harry, Harry, Harry. It was remarkable how he could show every one of those brilliant teeth, even when he wasn't talking. Gave you a taste of, for publicity, didn't I? The Lockhart gave you the bug. You got onto the front page of the paper with me, and you couldn't wait to do it again. Oh no, Professor C. Harry, 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 said Lockhart, reaching out and grasping his shoulder. I understand. Natural to want a bit more once you've had that first taste, and I blame myself for giving you that. Because I was about because it was bound to go to your head. But see here, young man. You can't just start flying cars to and try to get... You can't start flying cars and try to get yourself noticed. Just calm down, alright? Plenty of time for that when you're older. Yes, yes, I know what you're thinking. But, but it... It's all right for him. He's an internationally famous wizard already. But when I was twelve, I was a no. I was as much of a nobody as you are now. In fact, I'd say I was even more of a no nobody. I mean, few people have heard of you, haven't they? All that business with he who must not be named. He glanced at the lightning scar on Harry's forehead. I know. I know. It's not quite as good as winning which week. It's not quite as good as winning which weekly's most charming smile award five times in a war a row. But I, as I have, 
But it's a start, Harry. But it's a start, Harry. It's a start. He gave Harry a hearty wink and strode off. Harry stood stunned for a few seconds. Then, remembering he was supposed to be in the greenhouse, he opened the door and slid inside. Professor Sprout was standing behind a trestle bench in the center of, of the greenhouse. About 20 pairs of ear, different colored earmuffs were lying on the bench. When Harry had taken his place between Ron and Hermione, she said, We'll be reporting mandrakes today. Now, who can tell me the properties of a mandrake? To nobody's surprise, Hermione's hand was first into the air. Mandrake, or mandragoria, is a powerful restorative, said Hermione, sounding as usual as though she had swallowed a textbook. It is used to return people who have been transfigured or cursed to their original state. Excellent. Ten points to Gryffindor, said Professor Sprout. Said Professor Sprout. The mandrake forms an essential part in most antidotes. It is also, however, dangerous. Who can tell me why? Hermione's hand narrowly missed Harry's glasses as it shot up again. The cry of a mandrake is fatal to anyone who hears it, said Hermione. She said promptly. Precisely. Take another ten points, said Professor Sprout. Now, the mandrakes we have here are still very young. She pointed a, at a row of deep trays as she spoke, and everyone, everyone shuffled forward for a better for a better look. A hundred or so, or so tufty little plants, purplish green in color, were growing in their rows. They looked quite remar unremarkable to Harry, who did not have the slightest idea what Hermione meant by the cry of a mandrake. Everyone, take a pair of earmuffs, said Professor Sprout. There was a scramble as everyone tried to see. Everyone tried to seize a pair, a pair that wasn't pink and fluffy. When I tell you to put them on, make sure your ears are completely covered, said Professor Sprout. When it is safe to remove them, I will give you the thumbs up. Right, earmuffs on. Harry snapped the earmuffs over his ears. They shut. They shut out sound completely. Professor Sprout put on the pink fluffy pair over her own ears, rolled up her sleeves, rolled up her sleeves over her robes, grasped one of the tufty plants firmly, firmly, and pulled hard. Harry let out a gasp of surprise that no one could hear. Instead of roots, a small, muddy, ex and extremely ugly baby popped out of the earth. The leaves were growing. The leaves were growing right out of his head. He had a pear green mottled skin and was clearly bawling at the top of his lungs. Professor Sprout took a large, took a large plant pot from under the table and plunged the mandrake into it, burying burying him in dark, damp compost until the tufted leaves were visible. Professor Sprout dusted off her hands, gave them all the thumbs up, and they removed and removed her own earmuffs. As, as our mandrakes are only seedlings, their cries won't kill yet, she said calmly as though she had 
just a nothing more exciting than water at Begonia. However, they will knock you out for several hours. And as, as I am sure none of you want to miss out on your first day back, make sure your muffs are securely in place while you, while you work. It will attract your attention when it is time to pack up. For to a tray, there is a large supply of pots. There's a large supply of pots here. Compost in the sacks over there, and be careful. The venomous ten, ten, tentacula is teething. That's a tongue twister. She gave a sharp slap to a spiky, dark red plant as she spoke, making making it draw the long feelers it had been inching sneakily over her shoulder. Harry, Ron, and Hermione were joined by their were joined at their tray by a curly-haired Hufflepuff boy Harry knew by sight but had never spoken to. Justin Finch Justin Finch Fletchy said brightly, shaking Harry by the hand. Know who you are, of course. The famous Harry Potter. And you're Hermione Granger, always topping everything. Hermione being as she let, as she had her hand shaken too. Ron, and Ron, and Ron Weasley, was it not your flying car? Ron didn't smile. Or didn't didn't smile. The howler was obviously still on his mind. That Lockhart something, isn't he? Said Justin happily as they began filling their plant pots with dragon dung compost. Awfully brave chap. Have you read his books? I'd have died of fear if I'd been cornered in a telephone booth by a werewolf, but he stayed cool and zap. It's just fantastic. My name was down for Etten, you know. Can't tell you how glad I am I came here instead. Of course, mother, mother was slightly disappointed, but since I made her read, made her read Lockhart's books, I think she's begun to see how useful it is to have a fully trained wizard in the family. After that, they didn't have much chance to talk. Their earmuffs were back, their earmuffs were back on, and needed to concentrate on the mandrakes. Professor Sprout had made it look extremely easy, but it wasn't. Mandrakes didn't like coming out of the earth, but it didn't see, it didn't seem to go want to go back in it. I'm sorry, I can't talk today. And they didn't seem to want to go back into it either. They squirmed to flail their sharp little fist and gnashed their teeth. Harry spent ten whole minutes trying to squash a particularly fat one into a pot. By the end of class, Harry, Harry, like everyone else, was sweaty, aching, and covered in earth. Everyone, everyone, traipsed back to the castle for a quick wash, and then the Gryffindors hurry off, hurried off to Transfiguration. Professor McGonagall's classes were always hard work, but today was especially difficult. Everything Harry had learned last year seemed to have leaked out of his head during the summer. He was supposed to be turning a beetle into a button, 
But all he had managed to do was give a beetle a lot of exercise as it scuttled over his over the desk, avoiding his wand. Ron was having far worse problems. He had patched off his wand with some spello tape, but it seemed to be damaged beyond repair. It kept cracking and sparking at odd moments, and every time Ron tried to transfigure his beetle, it influged him it infled him in a thick gray smoke that smelled of rotten eggs. Unable to see what he was doing, Ron accidentally squashed his beetle with his elbow and asked for a new one. Professor McGonagall wasn't pleased. Harry was l relieved to hear the lunch bell. His brain felt like a wrung sponge. Everyone filed out of the classroom except him and Ron, who were was whacking his wand furiously on the desk. Stupid, useless thing. Right home for another one, Harry suggested, as the wand let off a, a volley of bangs like a firecracker. Oh yeah, another get another howler back, said Ron, stuffing the now hissing wand into his bag. It's your own fault your wand got snapped. They went down to lunch, where Ron's mood was not improved by Hermione showing them the handful of perfect coat buttons that she had produced in Transfiguration. What have we got this afternoon, said Harry, hastily changing the subject. Defense against the dark arts, said Hermione at once. Why, demanded Ron, seizing her schedule. Have you outlined Lockhart's lessons and little hearts? Hermione snatched the schedule back, blushing furiously. They finished lunch and went outside and went outside into the overcast courtyard. Hermione sat down on a stone step and buried her nose in voyages with vampires again. Harry and Ron stood talking about Quidditch for several minutes before Harry became aware that he was being closely watched. Looking up, he saw saw the very small, mousy-haired boy he, he'd seen trying on the sorting hat last night, staring at Harry as though transfixed. He was clutching what looked like an ordinary muggle camera. At that moment, Harry looked at him, and he went bright red. He went bright red. At that moment, Harry looked at him. He went bright red. All right, Harry, I'm calling, I'm, I'm calling Creepy, he said breathlessly, breath, breathlessly, taking a t tentative step forward. I'm a Gryffindor, too. Do you think, would it be all right if I could have a picture? He said, raising the camera, hopefully. A picture? Harry repeated blankly. So I can prove I've met you said Colin Creevy eagerly, eagerly, edging further forward. I know all about you. Everyone's told me about how you survived when you know who tried to kill you, and how he disappeared and everything, and how you've still got the light moon scar on your forehead. His eyes racked Harry's hairline. His eyes racked Harry's hairline. And a boy in my dormitory said, if I developed the film... In the right potion, 
pictures will move. Colin drew a great shuddering breath of, excite of excitement and said, It's amazing here, isn't it? I never knew all the old stuff I could do with magic till I got the letter from Hogwarts. My dad's a milkman. He couldn't believe it either. So I'm taking loads of pictures to send to him, to send home to him. And it'd be really good if I had one of you. He looked imploringly at Harry. Maybe your friend could take it and I could stay next to you. And then you could sign it. Signed photos. You're giving out signed photos, Potter? Loud and scathing, Draco Malfoy's voice echoed around the courtyard. He had stopped right behind Colin, flanked, as always, at Hogwarts, by his lo flanked, as always, at Hogwarts, by his large, thuggish, thuggish cronies, Crab and Goyle. Everyone line up, Malfoy roared to the crowd. Harry Potter's giving out signed photos. No, I'm not, said Harry angrily, his fish, his fist clenched. Shut up, Malfoy. You're just jealous. Oh, that's Colin. You're just jealous, piped up Colin, whose entire body was about as thick as Crab's neck. Jealous, said Malfoy, who didn't need to shout anymore. Half the courtyard was listening in. Of what? I don't want a foul scar right across my head, thanks. I don't think getting your head cut open makes you that special myself. Crab and Goyle were snickering stupidly. Eat slugs, Malfoy, said Ron angrily. Crab stopped laughing, and he started rubbing his knuckles in a menacing way. Be careful, Weasley, sneered Malfoy. You don't want to start any trouble or your mommy will have you will come have you taken away from school. He put in shrill he put on a shrill piercing voice. If you put another toe out of line A knot of Slytherin fifth years nearby laughed loudly at this. Weasley would like a signed photo, Potter, smirked Malfoy. It'd be worth more than his family's whole house. Ron whipped out his sp his spell his spellow tape. Ron whipped out his spellow tape wand, but Hermione shut Voyages with Vampires with a snap and whispered, "Look out! What's all this? What's all this?" Gilderoy Lockhart was was striding towards was striding towards them, and Storkoy's robes swirling behind him. Who's giving out signed photos? Harry started to speak, but he was cut short as Gil as Lockhart flung his arm around his shoulders and thundered jovially. Should've, shouldn't have asked. We meet again, Harry. Pinned to Lockhart's side and burning with humiliation, Harry saw Malfoy side smirking back to the crowd. Slides, uh, he saw Malfoy slide smirking back into the crowd. Come on then, Mr. Crazy, said Lockhart, beaming at Colin. Double portrait. Can't do better than that. We'll both sign it for you. Colin fumbled for his camera, 
took out his picture as the bell rang behind and took the picture as the bell rang behind him, signaling to start the start. Blah, sorry. Colin fumbled with for his camera. He took the picture as the bell rang behind them, signaling the start of afternoon classes. Off you go, move along there. A cart called to the crowd as he set off back to the castle with Harry, who was wishing he knew a good vanishing spell. Still clasped to his side. Word to the wise, Harry, said Lockhart. Patternly as they entered the building through the side door. I covered up for you back there with young Creevy. If he was photographing me too, if he was photographing me too, your schoolmates won't think you're setting yourself up too much. Deaf to Harry Stammers, Lockhart swept him down the corridor, lined with staring students, and up a stair and up a staircase. Let me just say that handing out signed pictures at this stage of your career isn't sensible. It look, looks a tad big-headed, Harry. Looks a tad bit big-headed, Harry. To be frank, letter looks a tad big, big-headed, Harry. To be frank, there, there may well come a time when, like me, you'll need to keep. A stack handy wherever you go, but, he gave a little chortle, I don't think you're quite there yet. And they had reached Lockhart's classroom. They had reached Lockhart's classroom, and he had let Harry go at last. Harry yanked his robes straight and headed for the seat in the very back of the class. He busied himself with pulling all seven of Lockhart's books in front of him with piling all seven of Lockhart's books in front of him so that he would be able to avoid looking at the real thing. The rest of the class came clattering in. Ron and Hermione sat down on either side of Harry. You could have fried an egg on your face, said Ron. You better hope Creevy doesn't meet Ginny or those, or they'll be starting a Harry Potter fan club. Shut up, snapped Harry. The last thing I need, the last thing he needed was for Lockhart to hear the phrase Harry Potter Fan Club. When the whole class was, was seated, Lockhart cleared his throat loudly and silence fell. He reached forward, picked up Neville Longbottom's copy of Travels with Trolls and held it up to, sh and held it up to show his own winking portrait on the front. Me, he said, pointing and winking winking as well. Gilderoy Lockhart, Order of Merlin, third class, honorary member of the Dark Forest Defense League, and five-time winner of which weekly's most charming smile award. I don't talk about that. I didn't get rid of the band and banshee by smiling at her. He waited for them to laugh. Few, a few people smiled weakly. I see you've all bought the complete set of my books. Well done. I thought we'd start today with a little quiz. Nothing to worry about. Just to check how well you, how well you've read them, how much you've taken in. 
When he handed the test papers, he returned to the front of the class and said, You have 30 minutes. Start now. Harry looked down his, at his paper and read, 1. What is Gilderoy Lockhart's favorite color? 2. What is Gilderoy Lockhart's secret ambition? 3. What is your opinion is in what, in your opinion, is Gilderoy Lockhart's greatest achievement to date? And on and on it went. Over three sides of the paper, right down to 34. When is Gilderoy Lockhart's birthday and what would, he, what would his ideal gift be? Half an hour later, Lockhart collected the papers and rifled through them in the front of the class. Tut, tut, hardly any of you, any of you remember that my favorite color is lilac. I say so, and you're with Yeti. And you're with the Yeti. If you, you need to read Wondering with the Werewolves more carefully, I clearly state in Chapter 12 that my ideal birthday gift would be harmony between ma all magic and non-magic peoples. Although I wouldn't say no to a large bottle of Ogin, of Ogin's Old Fire Whiskey. He gave them another roguish, roguish wink. Harry was now staring at Lockhart with an expression of disbelief on his face. Seamus Finnegan and Dean Thomas, who were sitting in the front, were shaking with silent laughter. Hermione, on the other hand, was listening to Lockhart with a rapt, with rapt attention, and gave, and gave a start when he mentioned her name. But Miss Hermione Granger knew my secret ambition was to rid the world of evil, of evil, and market my own range of hair care product. And market my own range of hair care productions. Good girl. In fact, he flipped her paper over. Oh, Marks, where is Miss Hermione Granger? Hermione raised a trembling hand. Excellent, beamed Lockhart. Quite excellent. Take ten points for Gryffindor. And so, to business. And so, to business. He bent down behind his desk and lifted <coughs> a large cage, a large covered cage onto it. Now be warned. It is my job to arm you to find, to Arm you with the phallus creatures known to wizard kind. You might find yourselves facing your worst fears in this room. Know only that no harm can be. Know only that no harm can befall. Well, whilst I am here. All I ask is that you remain calm. In spite of himself. Harry leaned around his pile of books for a better look at the cage. <sighs> Lockhart placed a hand on the cover. On the cover, Dean and Seamus had stopped laughing. Now Neville was cowering in the front in the front row seat. I must I must ask you not to scream," said Lockhart in a low voice. "You might provoke them." The whole class held its breath. Lockhart whipped off the cover. Yes, he said dramatically. Freshly caught Cornish pixies. Seamus Finnegan couldn't control himself. 
he let out a snort of laughter that even Lockhart couldn't mistake for a scream of terror. Yes, he smiled at Seamus. Well, they're not very dangerous, are they? <laughs> Seamus choked. Don't be so sure, said Lockhart, wagging, waggling his finger annoyingly at Seamus. Devilish, devilish tricky little bi-litters they can be. The pixies were electric blue and about eight inches high with pound faces and with pointed faces and voices so shrill it was like listening to a lot of bu of budgies arguing. The moment the cover had been removed they they had started jabbering and rocking rocketing around, rattling the bars and making bizarre faces at the people nearest to them. Right then, said Lockhart, Lockhart said loudly, let's see what you've got to make of them. And he opened the cage. It was a pandemonium. The pixies shot in every direction like rockets. Two of them seized Neville by the ears and lifted, them into, lifted him into the air. Several shot straight through the window, showering the back row with broken glass. The rest proceeded to wreck the classroom more effectively than more effectively than a rampaging rhino. They grabbed ink bottles and sprayed the class with them, shredded books and papers, tore pictures from the walls, up upended the wastebasket, grabbed bags and books and threw them out of the smashed windows. Within minutes, half the class was sheltering under desk desks, and Neville was swinging from the iron chandelier in the ceiling. Come now, round them up, round them up, they're only pixies, Lockhart shouted. He rolled up his sleeve, brandished his wand, and bellowed, Pescipsi Pestronium. It had absolutely no effect. One of the pixies seized his wand and threw it out of the window, too. Lockhart gulped and dived under his own desk, nearly avoiding being squashed by Neville, who fell a second later as a as the chandelier gave away. The bell rang, and there was a mad rush towards the exit in the in the, in the relative calm that followed. Lockhart straightened up, caught sight of Harry, Ron, and Hermione, who were almost at the door, and said, Well, I'll ask you three just to nip up the rest of them back into their cage. And he swept past them and shut the door quickly behind him. Can you believe him? Roared Ron, as one of the remaining pixies bit him painfully on the ear. He just wants to—he just wants to give us some hands-on experience," said Hermione, immobilizing two pixies at one clever freezing charm and stuffing them back into the cage. "Hands-on," said Harry, who was trying to grab a pixie to grab a pixie dancing out of reach with its tongue out. Hermione, he didn't have a clue what he was doing. Rubbish, said Hermione. You've read his books. Look at all those amazing things he's done. He says he's done, Ron muttered. This has been the sixth episode.
episode for the second season of the Very Hairy Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Bye-bye.